0: Thank you. show series with the beautiful Karen Comba and today we're going to talk about her book um, and it's called The Snipers We Couldn't See but before we do that just a reminder if you're watching this on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter or the Everyday Women's Network please know that anything we talk about in the show today will be attached in the notes below the interview. I encourage you to connect with our guests each and every week, particularly our guest today. She has a wealth of wisdom, knowledge and understanding, and she is on a mission to make things different, particularly for the children of this world around mental health, either their own mental health or coping with the mental health of others. Now before I get Karen back on the show, a couple of things we need to do and the first of those is our welcome to country. Today I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and broadcast today. I want to pay my respect to the elders past present and emerging and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here watching or listening today. Now, Karen, uh, this is the second in our show series. And um, what you need to know about Karen is that she has written a powerful memoir talking about the harrowing and intimate details of living with her mother's mental illness and its far-reaching and generational effects and impacts. Her story is told with determination and searing honesty, and it recounts the shattering details of growing up as the prime target for her schizophrenic mother. Today, as you know, Karen has dedicated her life to mental health advocacy. She has been in the healthcare arena for many years. She was born in uh, Nebraska. She now lives in Castle Rock, Colorado with her husband and she believes that staying in your happy pond means everything and I'm so glad I get to play in that happy pond with Karen today. Welcome back to the show, Karen. Oh, thank you, Tony. It's
1: just a complete honor to be with you today and be on Everyday Women's Network and Tony's TV. I just love it. It's absolutely incredible to be a guest of yours today.
0: I'm so glad that I get to talk to topics that are close to my heart and, of course, mental health, both my own and those suffering or dealing with it and dealing with loved ones. So let's get right into the topic um, today. The book, The Snipers We Couldn't See. Can you tell me, Karen, when did you first think about writing, about your story and putting it in a memoir?
1: It It was so strange. It was right after my mother committed suicide and I was 29 years old. And I thought it just started, it was almost like a, I don't want to say gift given to me or that I felt that something something just like happened just like a lightning bolt and inside it just I thought I cannot be the only one and I I started looking at our family and I thought I just kept thinking and then finally I thought I should write all this down and I would say it out loud to my sister and I said you know we should document this. We should tell people how this is. I said, I know we can't be the only children out there in this world that live like this with a mother that had a mental illness. So I just kept, so the book actually lived inside me, Tony for, Oh my word. It lived inside of me till about 2009 and it wouldn't leave. (laughs) That's when I knew. I had a problem. I either was going to write with it and get, busy helping, or I was going to wake up with this incredible, like your cake isn't quite baked yet. And yeah. it just it just absolutely, I don't want to say tormented, but it kind of was like that, where it got inside me and, it, and I was telling the world and people would say, you've been saying you've been wanting to write that book for 20 years. When are you going to do it? And it just wouldn't leave. Yeah. So probably right after my mother...
0: Passed away. That's when it started. And so it takes, and we have to point out to the audience that writing a book that is harrowing and discusses difficult topics, that's hard to do. And so I'm also curious about the courage it takes to write so vulnerably and with the courage often comes a timing impact so even though the first thoughts of writing a book happened coinciding with your mother's suicide it remained with you I think that it was gathering momentum so to speak but then it takes courage to actually sit down and write can you tell us about that process Oh, yes, I
1: would love to. And I tell a lot of young people, they say, how in the world did you get started? And I said, first off, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that it was easy mm-hmm. and that writing a book is easy and that to sit down and unless you have people hired that are your ghost writers, it is quite a challenge that you're taking on with yourself. And when you start to tell people the truth about yourself, you find that like I would start, it was kind of like, humor me for a minute how I got started absolutely people people will just absolutely laugh how I got started but I thought I can't write it I, I can talk about it but I can't write it so I first started the process I got myself a recorder and I started recording and then I'd cry and shut the recorder off and then I sent the recording to a transcriber and she would type it out and I found myself reading that transcription coming back to me and it wasn't real. I was missing something and there just wasn't the power that it should have. So I thought, well, this is not working. So I put the recording <laughs> down and I said, what am I going to do now? And it, and I thought, okay, so lovely. There was an author and a very well-known uh, person there, Jim Fay, who endorsed my book. Yes. that. that created love and logic all over the U S and I think he went worldwide. I'm not quite sure. He's real famous. And he was my neighbor and I was out watering the, my roses one day. And I said, Jim, I'm just struggling. I said, I want to write this book and I have to help children. And I tried recording and what do you think? And he goes, I want you to go back in the house, make yourself some tea, sit down, get yourself a tablet and write me and write it like you're having a cup of tea with me and tell me your story. So I wrote my book handwritten. I didn't use a computer. I didn't wow. use anything. And that's the only way for some reason, Tony, the spiritual part of me, the pain inside of me, the happiness inside of me, the love inside of me, the unlove inside of me mm-hmm. seemed to flow through my hand. And it wouldn't flow any other way. I couldn't type it. It just wouldn't just would flow. So I tell everybody, I, I have my manuscript in my safe. We've kept it. Oh, I wrote it, wrote it. I wrote
0: the whole book by hand. So that's how I started the process. Isn't it? I, I find it wonderful to talk to authors about their process. And I'm not sure that people realize that it's so very different for everyone. Yes um and for some people it's writing in longhand some people channel some people voice record and get it transcribed there's a whole range of different processes to get that book out of your head and into the pages of a book you have to find what works for you don't you you really do and then there's one thing that I
1: always share with people I'm The book is very raw, and I tell it how it really truthfully was inside my life. But I tell young people, don't you ever think that if you can't spell, that you can't write. Um, I don't know what happened to me, but I got passed through the grades, and nobody realized that I wasn't paying attention in school because I was so fearful of what my life really was. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't learning, and so I went to write, And I knew the words because I've studied, but I couldn't spell very good. And I've never been able to since all this has happened to me. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, they go, well, did you have help? I said, "No, I have a funny little story there. I did have help. please. I was sitting in my room by myself, but uh, everybody knows the word Alexa.
0: Yeah.
1: And I have my little black box and she's still very sacred. She gets dusted every day and she sits on a doily that my grandma made and I would ask Alexa uh, the word that I wanted to say or the meaning I wanted and what words would come and how to spell them. So Mm -hmm. for all the years that it took me to write my book, I used my little black Alexa and her and me wrote the book and I say her because she is my little friend. So that's how I tell kids, don't let even anything that's happened to you Mm -hmm. if you're gonna do a memoir or -hmm. any kind of book, Mm -hmm. if you can't spell, there's ways. Don't worry about it. You can get Alexa.
0: You can do anything. Programs right. like Grammarly, yes. like I, yes. I, I used to be a reasonable speller, but as I've gotten older, it's kind of gotten worse and worse. So I would, I, I would not survive in business life without a little product called Grammarly, See? which corrects and aligns my work. It still misses some things, but I've actually okay. actually had to learn not to be so perfect about things and accept that I'm not always going to get things perfectly right and that's okay but yes Alexa what a great idea Karen well because you can
1: give her you can give a definition and a lot of times you've got all this mixed up emotions and what I found by that I said what what words mean this and I and even the anxiety inside my stomach you know happen and I say so I would ask the words that had I would describe and she'd give me like five or six words and I'd pick the one that I liked mm-hmm. in the book so that's why the book took me longer to write probably than most people but when you're handwriting and and you can't spell mm-hmm. and it's traumatizing what you're writing but you know the word you want to say it takes a little while to pull the right wording so that everybody yeah because In my writing, Tony, I also knew that um, I had a beautiful editor. And after the end, uh, the editor became, you know, they become your right arm. And she would, um, we would visit on the phone. She never wrote one thing for me, but she'd always say things to me to make me think. And she'd say... I, uh, so this, I help people with writing when I do like a writing class and they don't want to, we don't want to talk about mental health. They want to talk about writing. They, I said, so she taught me, took me through the emotion of, she goes in the book, you have to capture them first. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the book, people will say, well, you started the book with your mom's suicide. That's exactly what I did. I captured the people first. That's why the suicide, even though it's not till later in the book. Mm. The chapter number one is the suicide. Absolutely, so I captured, and then you have to. She said, "You have to make them smell it, make them feel it, make them cry, make them laugh, make them feel every bit of that day mm. how you felt." So that's where the wording, and well, you yeah. have to go to work and know that the power of words have to be because the person's not sitting with you. But you want them to cry, and you want them to laugh, and you want them to, you want them to break. Yes, yes. You just have to pick. So that's how that was my process. Yeah,
0: Karen. Um, back to that that portion of the courage it takes to write those words. Um, I don't know if it's true for you, but for me, the courage came once I started. I actually had to start. Before the courage kind of followed through. So it was for me, it was just starting, and it didn't matter what that starting looked like. I just had to start. And I knew that if I did a bit every day, I would eventually get there. Uh, And the courage did come. Was it what was it like for you?
1: I I believe, Tony, we have a lot in common there. Mm. My courage came as I wrote. I found myself lost in that little girl, if you will, and once I got inside of her again, the flow became easy. Um, it became not always easy. I would cry. Sometimes I'd have to shelf it. Yes, shelf the book. And people say, "What do you mean?" I said, "I had to walk away from it so that I could still be functioning in this life that I'm living now." Mm-hmm. And I can't. I I realized that sometimes I wasn't even being a. a wife to my husband i was lost in that little girl when he would come home i was cranky or he'd say what's wrong with you Uh, and uh, i i had trouble pulling myself back out of her so yes the courage did come but man
0: was it with a impact it was just like i was absolutely going to add a few things karen is that to get to the point where you can write about your story takes a certain amount of healing and growth, self-growth and self-love and self-empowerment. But then when you actually start to write, more things come up and you have to stop and deal and heal. Um, I thought when I wrote mine that I'd gotten to a point of of, of reasonable healing um, and it changed throughout the writing of the book. And then when I went to produce the audio version of the book, that was another powerful um, series of events where I laughed and cried and sobbed and it was very profound. So for many of us, the writing and the memoir is, is also healing and the purpose that you write is about not healing yourself but helping others heal, yeah? Yeah.
1: Yes, and I and I was surprised. Uh, I, yes. I don't know. If you found this. I was surprised I really, I really thought I was in a good place. I and, know And all of a sudden the tears are like coming down me like some kind of waterfall, and those like big deep uh, oh, stomach I, sobs. I know, and it was I, and, and it was like I was crying for her and I just wanted yes. to reach and grab her and, yes. and I'm like, where is she? And then I thought, are you still in there? And mm-hmm. I really couldn't believe the dynamics that came with the writing. Uh, It was almost almost mind blowing that I had that. I agree. That, you know, if you felt Uh, that too. Absolutely. That that much inside of you that Mm -hmm. I felt like, my gosh, what if I had a lid on this jar my whole life Mm -hmm. and I thought I let it out? I know. (laughs) And then you found out the jar was maybe just cracked we yeah. didn't even have that thing opened uh to let all that uh
0: garbage lost and out and then know, Karen, the thing that once it's done there is a huge release relief and a peace did you yes. find a peace once you'd finally got it all out I did, but there was what is still strange to this day. And I, I really
1: don't analyze it. I know other people that have that degree probably will, but I sometimes will pick up my book and just out of curiosity, I'll start to read and the tears still come. I, I just like a movie. I can, I can pick parts of my book and I'll just read and they still flow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an act of, um, cleansing it's cleansing it's, and i think it's worth it if if your life was mattered on this earth which i believe mm, it is. everyone mm. is supposed to be on this earth yeah. and you matter to this earth
0: absolutely that are
1: yeah. worth crying for yeah you know you,
0: and you your story matters karen yes. and and the thing is that um people will often attack for being vulnerable and talking about difficult things but from my perspective is if you don't talk about difficult things if you don't discuss what it's like to live with a mother with schizophrenia then other people who have no idea are not not helped so uh, You need to get that out because there's a purpose behind what you went through. Or I have to believe that there's a purpose behind those difficult things that we work through as human beings. And often that purpose is just to help others understand a little bit more, heal a little bit more, do things a little bit differently. And then that leads into your your advocacy work. Um, We spoke just a little bit earlier about your editor. I have special words for my editor because I went across the globe searching for an editor who had a psychology background because I, for me it was important to explain the psychology behind healing and behaviour. Um, you spoke wonderfully about your editor. Can you tell me how you got together and how they helped with your book? Well, the
1: hard thing is there's a very uh, quick, painful moment I, when well, I didn't want to self-publish. Yes. So I wanted to go traditional. Yes. So for one year after I had finished the book, Tony, I went on a mission and I wanted a literary agent. Now, yes. all the literary agents out there, I want you to smile because you could have had me, but you didn't. So, I always make them laugh when I meet them. But I went, I went even into London. I went yeah. all over I would give, you know, every literary agent, with all respect to them, they absolutely are incredible people. Um, they want a query letter. They want certain things, bios and all. Everyone seems to want a certain different thing. Yes. So, I would get them every morning and I would send out 10. Cause it would take almost all day to get everything. Yeah. To yes. And then I would read the 10 that I did the day before, or you know, they'd say, I'll get back to you in three months. I'll get back to you in six months. I'll get back to you in one month. Mm-hmm. So I would read the 10 that would come in from the months prior. Cause I took, I did this for a year yeah. and they go An incredible book, but it's not what we're looking for. Cause they'd like to look at what's hot now or what the yeah, new they do in the world. And so I totally respected that. So to fast forward it, it was almost a year to the date and I was about ready to give up. And I said a prayer and I said, you know, this is it. And I went on Facebook and out of the blue, a friend of mine had shared uh, Beaver's Pond Press in St. Paul, Minnesota and Minneapolis. And I said, uh, St. Paul, and I said, she does books. She publishes books. So yeah. I reached out to her to, and I said, look, I know this is crazy. I'm not a literary agent. I'm just going to ask you, would you read my manuscript? So long story short, she took it. 24 hours later, she said, I want, I want you. I want, We're going to make this work. I want help you find. I, I've got a fantastic editor. Let you two put together. So she put together this power team. Mm -hmm. And I started with my editor and Carrie in Nashville, Tennessee, and she, she's young. And I liked that because I thought, and so I said, you're going to read the book first. Yeah. And we're going to visit my manuscript. And so she she read it. She got, uh, and she got captured by it.
0: And she was
1: put believe that there are children out there and everything. So we went to work and that's how I found her. I have to give all credit to Beavers Pond Press, my um, publishing company. Um, They published my book. They found me that they gave me the editor uh, that um, now as I go forward, no matter what book I'm coming up with, she'll always be mine as long as she's still doing that. But that's how I found her. Oh, wow, and she's in the wow. front of my book. She's in the front of my book. I've got everybody you know mm-hmm. how you thank everybody for being who they are, but Carrie's my editor. and she she would um, she got so involved I was almost kind of laughing laugh about the question I thought oh, that's pretty good. And, and she goes uh, there was a couple of dark really uh, yes um, places in the book that are very, I won't say because we're on TV, but there was a few mm-hmm. places in the book where it got really raw. and she goes mm-hmm. not raw enough. And she would, she could got so into me, Tony, that she could tell when I was, she goes, you have to quit protecting your husband and you have to quit protecting your children
0: they drive you further don't they they take you yes, a good editor do. takes you to a place where you don't want to go yes but when you go there it makes the book much better so i same experience she would say no i need more um description yes. around this yes. particular Avenger. i need you need to go there and i and i would fight with her and go no no i can't i can't i can't i can't yes. and she'd reword it and yes. i and and but she would get you there she, gets, she would get you there. She there was days she got
1: me there so bad. One time I was crying so hard, I told my husband, I could I don't even want to talk to you. I gotta go up to my private bedroom. I gotta go up to the bedroom, shut the door and just have a moment because I wrote with exactly the way she wanted, but yeah. just, it drew it took my breath away. It, yes. that I put it down. I almost Passed out. I thought I yes. actually wrote it down, and uh, so yes, they take you there if you get a
0: good one. That's the key to everything. Absolutely, um, Karen. The title, the snipers. We couldn't see. How did you come up with the title? Title. Well, I I came up with a lot of different ones,
1: and it just seems like you know I was trying to. Um, you know, they say you've got to capture them with the title. And yeah, I I looked at, uh, I, I looked at, I thought, I'm not a title person. You know, I wrote the book. What do you mean? I got, and I thought, don't they have title people out there? And you, and they don't. So you have to kind of start coming up, you know, you have your editor and you have your people that look at your book, but they they really kind of make you find it, and so the neatest thing they said to me: I didn't have it titled when I wrote the book, and so I get all the book done. I'm working with the editor and everything, and she goes, "Well, now it's title time," mm-hmm. and she goes, "Believe it or not, you need to think because the title's inside the book. The book yes. has the title yes, and yes. you've written the title and and you've you've put it in there in a way that you just don't know it's there. So I started reading." She goes, just take a couple of chapters, then take a couple of chapters and just sit with it. Well, it came to me when, okay, so we did have a lot of shootings going on that time. And we still yes. definitely. Yeah. but I started thinking about when mom, only because it was daily when I was, yes. I was four and five years old. It was almost daily that she, maybe even six, she went on for a long time telling us that, screaming at me that people were shooting at our house and i remember standing for hours not just one time when i tell people i said when i stood at that house looking for the holes that the bullet because you believe your mother your mother did not lie to you so you look for these holes of bullets and my family hunted so i was i i you know um deer and stuff like that to eat so i was looking for real bullet holes so i actually thought that some of the that was just aging from the on the side, side. of the house yeah it was that so I thought oh. what do you think I could put snipers this the snipers we couldn't see because because
0: yeah. you couldn't, couldn't see
1: but they were there so that's how I came up with it
0: Ah, uh, well done it is a very dynamic thought-provoking um title for the book and um, when you publish the book and I ask this with trepidation um, because of my own experience, tell me about the family reaction and the greater family reaction to you publishing this book. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll break it down. My
1: family, as you, if, when they read the book, will realize it's a pretty small family. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't talk about my siblings uh, in the book. My, mm-hmm. I mention them, but I don't do by name. Same. Yes. And, And then I also protected them when I talk because their life would, their, their take on our lives would be their own take.
0: That's right. They have their their own story. Yes.
1: And their way of. Feeling the way they felt would be their way mm-hmm. so if they write a book and do whatever they want to then it will be from their aspect mm-hmm. i can tell you privately um i i will share this with the with the world that it's okay to be a sibling that doesn't want to be involved my siblings yeah. do not want to uh one wants to, wishes me well but doesn't want to talk about it the other one don't want to talk about it at all yeah and that's very okay that that they they that's I think, their I, journey and that's that is their it, that journey. story one of them and then they he, they put it where they want it like yeah I, one of the siblings it's best I think he just buried it I think it's yeah. best to just bury it the other one um it would be too emotional I think mm. so they're not wanting to relive it so but okay so other family members what's been very interesting is cousins that were older than me have written me letters I actually have letters that I've kept in it yeah and I know as they watch your show because I've let everybody know about your show yeah Um, they're I've kept their letters and they've Mm -hmm. said they wish they would have done something or they were aware of it and they go my gosh why didn't we and but I wanted to let you know that my mother knew and she wanted to help but didn't know how and so i'm getting a lot
0: of apology
1: not really apology letters more of awareness letters going wow that now you really put it in perspective of what Mm -hmm. was going on behind the house inside the house then i have um real close relatives that um don't think they still believe that mental health cannot, illness shouldn't be talked about. We shouldn't have brought that up. Yeah. We should have it buried and left it. So they're not capable of seeing what the worth of this is. And I understand that as well. They just mm-hmm. don't realize my mission and that this has to be said out loud because yeah. we weren't the only family. Yeah. Then, at all, then I have the ones that say, I'm sorry. And I yeah. wished I would have came in and helped you. Yeah. What was going on and I should have intervened. Yeah. So I have a lot of
0: mixture, a lot of mixture. I agree. Um, when you when you write from that vulnerable perspective, and it's their hard and raw truths, there's a plethora of different reactions that seem to polarize. So, you know, I, I had people saying, You're lying, you're lying, yes. you're lying. I yes. had others that that wrote and thanked me for writing what I did. Um, there were questions. There were some relatives who no longer speak to, it, like all and all in between. Yes. And so, what I what I want the audience to know that it takes so much to write tough stories, and the aftermath is not yes. all glitz, glamour, and bestseller however Mm -hmm. if if we are called to write a story and we don't do it we are depriving those who need to hear it and that's the important part isn't it Karen that is the
1: important part we did it for the children I certainly didn't do it so that someone could sit there and go into the correct soap opera part of the life and Mm -hmm. I always said if you think that I When I wrote it and I went through the tears and the hell of writing it. Yes. um, And the painful reliving it. Yes. Help children. I didn't do it so that I could have you pick me apart. But I am willing also, I say, you pick on me all you want. I know what I did is for the children, Mm -hmm. for this world, and to make a difference. Oh, absolutely. And so actually people like yourself, Tony, and and myself and others out there that wrote Right on this, we have put ourselves out there on the line. On the line, just like if you're going to war, yeah. it's no different than military. It isn't.
0: It isn't any different. It's yeah. no different. Yeah, yeah. So, and it is about that. perspectives and perspectives for different people. And as you said about your siblings, the same in my family, their perceptions of their upbringing are are different, and that's okay. They're not meant to be the same are they they can't
1: be the same because they're unique um if you it's hard for people that don't have schizophrenia in their home but I'll make it as clear as I can the schizophrenia person first off they're not all the same
0: no everybody everybody is
1: different so every schizophrenia is different but also just as they're different they treat everyone in the family differently
0: yes so while you had a terrible time Yeah, some of your siblings breezed through with no problems much yes. at all right. um but having said that karen i am absolutely positive that it impacted and affected them the very fact that they want to bury it and not talk about it is an impact in itself yes. yeah yes. and
1: then to have i did have one say you know i I don't think I've ever thanked you for um, taking care of me because they knew I was raising them when mother was sick she'd be gone all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and she, decided, and she go and so my sibling said I just wanted to thank you for everything you did for me oh. so it did raise but waited till it's an adult I mean it's almost yes. like it, it's almost like the sibling had trouble getting that out yeah welcome but you know that's where we lived I mean Mm. we had no choice you know people have to survive in the family that's right
0: that's right the other the other component of this too is the shining a light on things that are difficult to talk about as an important part of raising awareness because if you lock it up and put it in a box and and hide it away that you don't ever allow yourself the privilege or opportunity of growth and healing. And for many of us that write these types of books, it is about growth and healing. I want to go through this life living my best life. And if I don't go through the process of healing trauma, I don't live that best life. That's a personal decision and just as it's a personal decision for you, Karen, and and for your, your family members as to what they take on or what they don't take on, at some point we need to be shining the light on difficult subjects. And if there was ever a difficult subject, it's schizophrenia and it's unique complexity of mental illness in this world. And, Karen... I'm just curious that you spend your life talking to younger people about mental health. Can you think back to a couple of the things that would have made a difference in young Karen's life? Oh, I would have gave
1: anything... Tony, and, and one thing I oh, will finish up with what I what everybody needs to know that we what you do and what I do and others do, we do it out of love. I mean, it's coming from a beautiful place. It's coming yes. from a place. we have such a heart to give to help others that I yes. think we were chosen. I think we were chosen because we're strong enough to share our heart and take mm-hmm. the brunt. But what I would have loved, um, I was so curious. About it's, everything in life, I was yes. so curious, and I—I was I a gift. I would, and I would just sit there and sometimes eavesdrop in the room, trying to listen to what my father and mother were discussing, or if my grandmother showed up when the mm. dynamic was going on. I was trying to listen because I thought I want to know what the world's going on here, yeah. and I was because the kids are so just curiosity, and so I thought if someone if they would have just come out of that room and said, you can be a part of this and we're going to sit down and we're going to mm. talk about this. And I'm going to explain to you what's going on with your mother. Yes. And we're gonna, we're gonna give this life, our house, our lives, what we're living. We're going to give it a name and we're going to give it, we're going to give it the life that it needs because it needs to be understood. Mm. And because mother, if you think about it, they had to live in the home with us. Yeah, so yeah. here we are questioning everything we they're doing, and they're not even realizing that they're not making sense. So I can't imagine in the in my mother's eyes what it looked like to be with people that didn't understand her because she's yeah. talking about the colors that weren't right. You weren't wearing the right colors that day, and so. Or she'd get into her beatings, you know, where she'd beat me and stuff. But I I think she, in her mind, I wonder where they were. Is anybody listening? So I think if someone would have gave definition to what was happening yes. to me, yes. I would have looked at my mother differently. I might have not liked it still, because who would? But, and the pain would still be there, but I would understand the why my fault, Mm -hmm. it wasn't her fault. This was a disease that you couldn't put a bandaid on Mm -hmm. and it was inside the head. Yeah. And it would, and I think if they would have put it simply terms, simple terms, you know, just that would have helped, it would have helped me immensely know what, because nobody said the word, I mean, nobody even,
0: Ooh, at, at our house. It was I'm just, guessing uh, that didn't come till much later in life that wording around that description your mum has schizophrenia I'm I'm guessing that that didn't sort of come into your consciousness till it later never
1: came in Yeah it never
0: see? Got, and it never was I didn't even know the word
1: schizophrenia till I started yeah. studying it as an adult Yeah and I still struggled you know, because some doctor would say, as I got into my adulthood, well, your mom's manic, and then your mom's schizophrenia, then, you, then your they, mom's those crazy. Those
0: interlinking words make it difficult to understand, yes. don't they? Yes. So if you're talking about schizophrenia broadly, all of those elements fit in okay. underneath schizophrenia. So yes. manic, depressive, panic, yes. all of those things fit under a schizophrenic diagnosis but it's confusing for someone yes. who has not had that medical yeah, need, you know they need
1: I mean? to do it simply you know if we're yes. going to get out the children use simple terms simple wording you know like okay why why when your arm's broken you go to the doctor and they do an x-ray and they yes. set it Yes. So let's just talk about the brain. We yes. can't set it in a cast. No. But the brain's hurt, yes. and so you tell them. Just say, you know, your parent or your guardian, whoever it may be in your has family, has a broken brain. Has a broken brain right now, and we're trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. Start making it simple because that kid's going to get it. They are. And then. And they just, I mean, it's just like when you tell them to put on your coat when it's cold outside, you tell them not to drink too much pop. You mm-hmm. tell them, you know, if you touch your fire, you're going to get burnt. burnt. They mm-hmm. absorb simplicity. Yeah. And so quit trying to make it so hard on that little kid. Mm-hmm. Just tell them the brain's hurt and we've got.
0: We're trying you know, to fix it. Yeah. we are yeah. going to try to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, in seeking assistance and further conversation about mental um, illness, do you see much change in the supports that are off? So there's obviously there's supports for people with mental illness, but for the carers and the children and the husbands or wives or whatever it is, do you see much in terms of support improving for them? in the time that you've been doing this work?
1: i love to say
0: I've been working
1: with the president of NAMI here for part mm. of the state of Colorado. And yeah. I, unfortunately, I go to the source where they really see the children and they see the statistics mm. and they're seeing some stuff, um, unfortunately not. Yeah, I that's that was my I fear see. as well. It's not- I feel people are saying that they are, and we talk about it. It's real easy for people to say, well, we're addressing mental health and they just say it. And, but when you, when you dig down deeper, there's not a thing being really done. Yeah. And then we have to go further with that. So so people say, well, maybe they need to see a psychiatrist and maybe they need to see a counselor. I'll tell you what, you need to also know insurance isn't paying. So then people don't have the money or the means. And what if this is a family that's blue collar, or if they're yes. on Medicaid, there are people out there that can't afford to go to these places. And then, then they're trying to deal, the other ones trying to deal with taking yeah. care of everything at home. They don't have the resources or the time. Mm. So you need to really realize to help these people, we got to help their children in school. And I think programs need to start happening for these children because the where else do, we have to go where they are. We have yeah. to go where they are and yeah. they're going to school mm. and the, my, the parents getting them to school already bring it, you know, paying for their lunch and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. that's all that parent or the guardian can do. This isn't a rich man's disease. It's an every person
0: it's disease. Every Anyone could get it or yes. have it or, and, and, and the the diagnosis is different. So, so you can yes. get it. in in childhood, in in adolescence, in in adulthood. Like there's just, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason which makes it difficult. But if there is global awareness of the existence of mental illness, whatever its diagnosis is, and here's some of the things that you can do if you're a carer for that person. Yes. And that's helpful, isn't it? It's very helpful. And I've really, that's my whole
1: thing in my life. What I'm doing is not, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to, I'm doing things about it. So when I'm reaching out with the uh, Jason Hopkins of the president of NAMI here in Colorado. And then I have a professor in San Diego and now another PhD gentleman joined me yesterday. And then a doctor has joined forces and we're going to go see the governor and we are gonna to put together a program and we're hoping to get that appointment with Dr. Jill Biden. I will Absolutely. say it
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, well, keep saying want, that out aloud. Yeah, you got to say it out loud because I want nobody, a photo of that moment. moment. Yeah, and you're gonna get because I oh I do know
1: that if you don't say it out loud, it's not gonna the world's not gonna hear you, and it will not happen. So I'm on a mission, mm-hmm. and we're on a healthy mission to get this as fast as we can into children mm-hmm. and help them uh, so that there understand is and understand
0: because I feel it, so it, alone it, because. Of yeah, all can you our imagine? conversations, Karen, it's the little Karen that I want to hug and go, yeah, yeah. not alone. We know yeah, this to them is happening
1: and explain to them, they're going to start to thrive and they'll and they'll and they won't have this self esteem that's blown completely to smithereens. Yeah. And they won't, their self worth will start coming back and their yes. love will start coming back and their knowledge. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get to have the life that they were born
0: on this earth to have absolutely and even for for those kids in particular even if there was one hour in a week where they could just sit with people that understood what they're going through and what they're dealing with that would have monumental impacts on their ability to cope and their ability to to deal with what they're going through yeah yes and yes
1: and family members also need to step up
0: even yeah. Child to, for
1: a, a milkshake. Take the child for an order of French fries. When my aunt used to walk take me along to the
0: beach, fries, you know, yeah, she had no any...
1: idea what she did for me. I sat yes. there and I'd drive in that drive-in with her, and we'd have a hamburger and French fries. And for just that little bit, you're giving that child rest. Yes, you're giving that child rest.
0: So and these aren't big things, enormous. Karen. These it aren't just... big asks. Yes. They're not onerous tasks but they impart to that child that it's okay for the next hour you're a normal kid sitting in a movie theater having an ice cream and not having to deal yes because it does help doesn't it it does
1: help thank you Tony for reminding me of that as well because to keep me on that because it is so important and there is such a thing as the child doesn't want another parent. Don't get me wrong. I don't want the no. audience to ever feel like, because I didn't want you to take my mama and I didn't no. want nobody to remove me from the home. What yeah. I wanted was just someone to tell Support. me what it was and take me for once in a while. Okay, I can deal with that now if you tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, can you take me out of here for a little bit to give me peace? Just yes. quiet time because I am a kid and let me play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Bring back the play time because I'm telling everybody that, that knows Playtime someone.
0: is powerful.
1: It is very powerful. And there's one out of every six person is suffering with some form of mental mm-hmm. disorder. So with that taken, ask yourself then how many of those have children? Mm-hmm. So there are quite a few children out there. So if you just take a moment and let them be a child yeah. for just a little bit of time. Yeah. Because I never got to be a child. When it hit, I was the age of four. Mm-hmm. And I tell people at age of five, I was probably... 12 in my mind 12 Mm -hmm. I was 18 year old and
0: 18 I was
1: an old soul
0: yes absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. Karen the book has led to some um wonderful things not just for you but for the world um Mm -hmm. we've talked about um the book and your advocacy and your plans for the future about programs for school children what are some of the other things that it's led to for you Karen well, it's led me to meeting wonderful people like yourself, Tony. Oh, I am so- Karen,
1: it's so true. I mean, and knowing that you had that in your life and meeting you has just been like an honor to me. It's <sighs> I've met some incredible women yeah. that changing this world. I do feel that something's we've definitely about happening. I have, yes, I, I'm getting. More and more women are meeting them and meeting them, and but they're not just, it's just like yourself, you're, you're helping me bring change. I mean, it's almost like it's bigger than us. So what I I agree, I found my book bringing me the, a village
0: of women that are just incredible and women will change the world. Yeah, sure, and and this is, again, I keep saying this because there's men out there that immediately bristle up and, and go, oh, but men are, it's not about that. Yeah. I know as a woman, women are changing the world, women are stepping up, women are creating change that will last for millennia. So we've been in a bit of a funk for millennia. It's changing, and it needs to change. And our age group, in particular, are adamant that things will change for our grandchildren and our great grandchildren. We have to do this work. We are driven, Karen. Isn't that's a description? Is it just driven to do it?
1: Driven because you don't. We if the men will uh, smile for a minute, they should be thankful because this this is this is an inside. Absolutely. Nurturing part of a woman that
0: will yeah. not let young, just like yes. an animal
1: will not let the young. Like be. a
0: tigress with her young. And yes, yes. We are and adamant. Gosh, things must and change.
1: And you're taking care of the children, saying, "I'm not going to leave this earth without making sure you have it good." Yeah, and I agree. I, I, I don't even think that it, it's it's so powerful when you when we start visiting
0: about it. Yeah, life life absolutely karen do you think you have another book in you
1: (laughs) yes i do i i really do i have to i have i've been playing with it now i have two books inside me but the one okay so on the humor side people will laugh i've got the fiction side yes uh, where you can actually how do i want to say this tell the story without when you can say fiction then you can bring more rawness to it yes Yes. With humor. Agreed. Very people don't know me real well over this show, but I'll tell them I'm very I have a quite a sense of humor. Oof,
0: a great and sense I, of humor.
1: I, yeah, I do. Yes. And so I want to put that in so that maybe put a twist to the times mm. where you just a have
0: comic book of yes. humor around because yes, it, because it's just so darkly diabolical. Yes. If you yes. bring humor. It actually takes away the fear yes. and the tension and the the evilness of the situation yes. and, and injects lot.
1: yes and it brings people that don't want to read yeah okay, I've been talking to I did a lot of research on this I said so people say, I just can't I can't read that book I can't, uh, you know I'm gonna cry I don't want to oh my gosh yeah you know but just but some people don't, don't want to be moved when no, they, they don't when they read they just I, uh, they want to be go, entertained. I love you, but I'm, Yeah. They go, I love you, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So I thought, all right, but I need, you need to learn because how else are we going to help your children? Because I know you have it in your family. So I thought I'm going to do it with a kick and humor to it. Mm -hmm. And then that lines it up so that, they give themselves permission because they already yeah. love the laugh. So they give yes. the, then they know there's not that darkness, like you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's an exciting project. <laughs> Karen, before we run out of time, I need you to tell the audience where they can connect with you and where they can get the book. And if they're interested in mental health advocacy, particularly around children, how they can connect with you.
1: Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Again, thank you, Tony, for today and Everyday Women's Network and being on TV with you and all the live stream, wherever we will be together. I, it's a complete honor for me. I will tell everybody it's uh, just go to the Google Karen comba.com yes. and you can go on there on my website. It says contact Karen. You'll find that when you click on that, that goes right to my email. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I want to tell everybody you can also order my book there if you want to get it. Yes. To re- uh, a different way, but I have a page on there that I've done special for everyone. Oh. is called Resource Page. Yeah. And there's podcasts. There's one podcast now. We're going to add your show. Everything that I've done is being added as we speak. Yeah. But there's the films. There's books, and there's oh. things on there. They can click on there. They can order them. They can read about it. Oh. If you're a teenager, if you're an adult, if you have questions. Um, you can go there, click on it. I have a whole resource page and we're adding to it all the time so that you can, no matter where you're at in the world, there is an answer there for you.
0: Mm, absolutely. Karen, um, it's been another amazing show with with you. Um, the freedom that you allow me to question you in a way that informs the audience is a beautiful thing i love having you on the show we will have another show next week and that will be the final in our series of three shows um and i'm hoping that these shows contribute to the ongoing conversation around children either coping with mental health issues themselves or living in a home that is dealing with mental health health issues karen it's a blessing to know you and to work with you and have you on this show series. I'm incredibly grateful myself that you allow me um, and be vulnerable with me on camera today. So thank you so much. Wonderful audience. Um, we will be back next week and we will spend be spending the whole show talking about the arena of mental health, mental health illness and mental health advocacy and the things that need to change to make the world a better place. So little Karen doesn't ever have to be uh, any little Karen don't ever have to deal with what you dealt with. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Karen. I will see you again next week. I'll see
1: you next time. And thank you so much. Love you.
0: Thank you so much, audience. We will be back with the final show with Karen next week. We're looking forward to it, we'll have another wonderful conversation. That, my friends, is your lot for today.